Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jay with the Regeneration Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, my friend Isaac and I are chatting with Jarrett Stevens. Jarrett is a pastor, a writer, a speaker. He uh, is the founding pastor of a church called Soul City in downtown Chicago. Uh, amazing community of Jesus followers doing amazing work in Chicago and beyond. Jarrett's also the author of several books, Four Small Words, The Deity Formerly Known as God, and um, his latest book is a book called Praying Through. The subtitle is Overcoming the Obstacles That Keep Us from God. It's a really pragmatically helpful, inspiring, hopeful book that dives into all of the problematic issues that we so often face when it comes to our prayer lives. Like, why why do I pray and it feels like God is silent, like he has nothing to say? I keep praying and praying and I don't hear anything from him. How do I pray when I'm grieving? How do I pray through all of the ups and downs and uncertainties and anxieties of life? Um, incredible book. He, he proposes some really, really helpful ideas. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Jared. He's an amazing guy, really warm, loves the Lord, loves, loves people. And um, yeah, so really excited for you to hear from Jared in this conversation. So let's go. Here is our chat with Jared Stevens. Hey, Jared, how you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. Um, wanted to jump in and ask you first. You uh, Obviously, you serve and lead at Soul City in Chicago, yeah. and you've written a bunch of books, and you speak all over the place. You've done a lot of ministry, but I wanted to ask you specifically about this book. Uh, why this book? Why now? What specifically were you or are you uh, wrestling with and going through in your prayer life uh, where you, where you felt like you had to, to tackle some of these ideas? Yeah. Well, again, I really appreciate you guys making the time for this conversation and I've loved the previous conversations that I've listened to that you guys host. So this is a huge deal for me to be talking with you guys about something that I really do care a lot about. And you're exactly right. It's, it's personal. And then there's also sort of the pastoral side. So I've been, in a relationship with Jesus, following Jesus since I was a little kid. And, you know, I, I mean, that's how my whole relationship with him started was with a prayer and I wasn't nervous about it. I wasn't worried about doing it wrong. It was really simple and beautiful and naive, I guess, I suppose. And then the longer and longer I was in a relationship with Jesus, the more complicated I found myself making prayer, the more frustrated I found myself getting in prayer, the more um, insecure I found myself getting in prayer. Like, oh man, I don't, I hope I don't have to pray after that guy. He's really good, you know? <laughs> so I, all that stuff I added in to complicate prayer. I found times where, you know, after significant grief or loss, I think of when uh, my wife Jeannie's dad died, this would be 15 years ago, but I was completely uninterested in talking to God. The, the, mm -hmm. God is the last person I wanted to talk to. And I found that that just compounded my grief process all the more. But that's all I knew is, I, you know, God, if you were in any way involved in this loss, I want nothing to do with you. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. There's, it's personal for me having been walking in relationship with Jesus all these years. But it's also a pastoral piece for me. I mean, for me, it's also as I've been in professional church work now for 23, 24 years. And as my wife, Jeannie, and I have been leading Soul City Church here in Chicago, you know, I, it, I can't help but think of our folks. And they're written all throughout uh, this recent book that I wrote of just how most folks, you know, normal, everyday folks like you and me, 
have their own struggle and their own issue with prayer. And, you know, I feel all the same things I felt. And now I just feel it at a compounded level because of the folks that um, I care about and the folks that I love that are a part of our church. So that's really where this came out of is, man, both, as you mentioned personally, and then also as a pastor, I, if there's anything I can do to help people connect with God, if there's anything to help maybe remove some of those obstacles that many of which are self-imposed, hmm. um, I want to be a part of that. So that's that's what kind of compelled me to write this book. Talk about the the you know you just mentioned at the end there. Many of these obstacles are actually self imposed. I think that's probably counterintuitive to the way a lot of people think about prayer. Right? They're like, what do you right. mean? I'm not doing anything that I really want to talk to God. I'm trying. I'm really him. trying. Yeah. Right, right, talk right. a little bit about those things that maybe unknowingly or unintentionally these self-imposed obstacles that we um, put in the way of effective dynamic prayer lives. Yeah, well, I don't think we can have an authentic conversation about a book on prayer without also citing that there have been many wonderful books on prayer that have been incredibly formative in my life. Mm. And there have also been many books that I've read where I'm like, I'm never going to get to that status. I'm never going to get to that level. I'll never achieve that level of spiritual intensity and, and come, you know, add to that the, there have been, you know, different spiritual leaders and pastors who intentionally or unintentionally, you know, sometimes just by their own example of what they're living, I look at them and go, yeah, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get to that level or I'm never going to be good enough as them. And so I do think, you know, there are some external things, but it's what we do with them. It's the meaning that we give to them. And so that's ultimately all my insecurity. That's my fear. That's my fear that I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it enough that God doesn't care about me as much as he cares about these other people. Cause look at how he's blessing their life, you know? And so a, a lot of this stuff is I'll take a tiny little thing from out there and I'll just make it so much bigger in here with my own fear or with my own insecurity, with my own shame, you know, for not, I'm just not good enough at this. I'm not good at this. Hmm. Um, and so that's where a lot of that comes. And then there's just other things where it's like when you are in a relationship with God, you hit new things that you've never hit before. Like when I hit real grief for the first time, I did not have a playbook for that. No one does. Hmm. And so it's like, okay, everything that worked before does not, does not work now in the face of this grief. I don't know how to do this. And so some of it is just, we just come up against things we've never faced before. Or when you've been praying for a long time, as we have with many of our friends who, you know, kind of walked through the valley of the shadow of infertility, you know, they can't seem to start a family when they want to, the way that they want to. And as we've prayed and prayed and they don't see it come for them, they don't see God come through. They don't hear from God. What do you do when you hit that for the first time? You know, I mean, that, that, so a lot of this stuff, it's not like, oh, it's all our fault. It's just lots of times we take a little bit of, you know, fear and we just make it exponentially bigger, a little bit of shame and we make it exponentially bigger. And then other times it's just because we're walking through seasons we've never walked through before. And maybe we don't know how to ask for help. Maybe we don't know how to reach out like everything else in our life that we had to learn how to do. We're afraid to ask for help when it comes to prayer. So that's kind of the, the thought there. You mentioned something briefly at the beginning about how prayer came naturally as a as a child. It's easy, yeah. and we sort of, sort of get worse at it. Um, <laughs> what do you think causes that? I mean, children it comes to my mind dancing as well, like a yeah. child. Um, right. Like yeah, I'm a reserve. A I'm a reserved dude. Like right. Right. I'm not right, going right. to be like oh, you're this playing is my the wall. You're playing yeah, the wall. This is party. my jam. Yeah, no, it's not going to yeah. happen. I'm, I'm a yeah, right, reserved, right. quiet, introverted dude. Right. So, uh, but kids. A beat drops, man, and a little kid. They just go nuts. And they don't care if they look dumb. Nope. 
Um, right. And when I have three young kids, when they pray, they pray simultaneously, and I love it. Yeah, they go Some all of those out. beautiful yeah. prayers in the world, but some of them yeah. are like, did you just tell God? What did you just tell God? <laughs> totally. Type of thing. Yeah. But somewhere, yeah. and what do you, what do you, what do you think happens to us over the years where we go from that to all of a sudden needing to think we need to pray good enough? Mm. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah. You hit it. I mean, you, you're exactly right. I think that, you know, I think maybe this is what Jesus was hinting at when he talked about how our faith needs to be more like that of a little child that it needs to be this more open and available and innocent and uninterested in how it looks or how it sounds more authentic. You know, I, you mentioned your kids. Yeah. When our uh, daughter Gigi was younger, she's 11 now, but when she was little and we would pray, you know, we have each of them pray. Elijah prays for breakfast. Gigi prays for dinner and we pray together at night as a family. But dude, at dinner, it was like, she would take that little intro and then just let God know all the things that he needed to do. <laughs> she would pray for puppies. She would pray for specific Christmas gifts, like in August. I mean, she was like, cool, I got the mic. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and mm-hmm. never once thought, that she was doing it wrong. And I think uh. so much of our life with God mirrors our own human development. You know, you think about the awkwardness that comes and the and the self-awareness that comes with puberty, you know, as you think about how you developed. And the same thing happens in a relationship with God. The longer you go and the more you're around other people of God, you instantly become self-aware and insecure. I mean, that it is natural, at least, that that happens. And so I think it, it just kind of mirrors our own personal human development. We start to think, Man, it's you know, I do, should I be doing more? Should I should I am I doing it right? Is there some sort of and that's why we that's why it's so easy to latch on to acronyms and three easy steps is because we're just looking for an easy way out of what is meant to be a beautiful flowing relationship. You know, I think even just the way that our you mentioned kids and for those who have kids who are listening to this, you know, our kids aren't worried about how they love us, especially when they're little, you know, they'll just crawl right into bed. They don't worry about Mm. boundaries. They don't worry about wearing clothes around the house. Like they don't care about Mm. any of that stuff. Right. And I just think that that's so much more like what God longs to have in a relationship with me is that kind of like, I'm not, you know, preoccupied with how this looks or how this sounds or how I, he just wants me to be fully available, fully free as I am without overcomplicating it, without worrying about how others are doing it or how I'm supposed to do it. And I think we rob ourselves of our own authenticity with God by looking around at others. You know, you mentioned the prayer. It should be this loving, flowing relationship. And uh, it, it makes me think one of the sort of misses when it comes to the prayer lives of so many, many of us is in an actual relationship built on love, it's um, there is a mutual sort of I don't want to call it a give and take, but there's a constant sort of flow, like you said, of our love toward and for one another. Um, we would question the depth or uh, uh, validity of a love relationship if the relationship was built solely on one person asking the other person for stuff all the time. Right. Just requesting. And yet, I think for so many of us, when we think about prayer, the primary mode by which we think about it is that it's an opportunity for us to ask God to give us stuff or to provide particular (laughs) things, which it certainly is in some ways. But talk about the importance of some of the other layers of prayer as a a loving relationship with God, in particular gratitude and um, speaking freely about, you know, uh, our day and and our feelings and our thoughts and the stuff we're wrestling with and questions. Um, Talk talk about the sort of a fuller, more robust understanding of what prayer actually is. 
Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that, um, you know, first and foremost, you're exactly right. Like in my relationship with my wife, if I, if I'm constantly worried that I'm not saying it right or that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm always only doing this, I'm, I'm going to pull myself out of presence with her. And, you know, the, the same is true in a relationship with God. I think that our default sort of prayer is, you know, God help me, God help me, God help me. And, and that's, that's the, the prayer for help is our primal prayer. Like, you know, God, I need you. God, I need help. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. there's a, it's a different dynamic in my relationship with God than it is with my spouse or a best friend or because God actually says, no, I am actually a perfect parent. I delight in meeting all of your needs. I delight in giving you the desires of your heart. Like ask, knock, seek. That is the, there is a dynamic here where, you know, God loves to provide. But that's not the only way that we're invited to engage with him. And I think that, you know, as simple as it may seem, you know, you go back to the Lord's prayer. You go back to this moment where Jesus's disciples are asking him, like, how do we do this? You know, we've seen you pray. It's different than the prayers that we memorized growing up. We've seen John's disciples pray. It's different than the way that we prayed growing up. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus gives this really beautiful model. And I think where we, again, we've overcomplicated, or in this case, we've oversimplified it. We made it a prayer that we're supposed to memorize. And that's great. And that's meaningful and it's helpful. But I think there's so much more than just another prayer to recite. I think Jesus gives us a way of coming to God that kind of covers all of these aspects, you know, and I don't need to go through it all. You guys are probably very familiar with it, but Jesus starts out by saying, you know, he acknowledges who God is and he acknowledges where God is at and that God is above all our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You know, a word that we use all the time, hallowed. Um, but, you know, he just acknowledges who God is and where God's at. He starts with God and then he, he acknowledges, God, I want your way above my way, your way above the way of this world, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then the next thing is give us today. Like we have needs. Give mm-hmm. us today our daily bread. Like, God, will you provide for us? And Will you forgive us as we're in the process of practicing and learning about forgiveness? And will you protect us? Lead us not into temptation. God, help me so I don't keep falling into the same rut that I keep finding. And then, you know, depending on the translation that you read or the passage that you read it from, you know, for yours is the kingdom. He goes back to closing with God. And I think as simple as that is, you know, that maybe you memorize that prayer as a, as a kid, I think there's there's just a lot of ways to connect with God, even in just that one simple prayer. God, I'm just coming to acknowledge who you are. That's enough. If all I did was acknowledge your goodness in my life today, if all I did was to acknowledge your grace that I experienced, the beauty that I see in creation right now, that's enough. And also, God, <laughs> I have some needs. Like there's some things going on. And I know that you know every one of my needs. And so will you take care of my needs? And God, I know that there's some things that have come between us. Will you forgive me? As I'm in the- I mean, so I just think there's all these different ways that we can come at prayer. And a lot of it is just laid out in that beautiful way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, all, all predicated by that, you know, and preempted by them being willing to ask for help. Jesus teaches us how to do this. And I just think there's so much more for us there. And then I, you know, look, we, if we had way more time, we could go into the Psalms, you know, which is like the blues of the Bible. You know, it's just David, just like, this is where I'm at. And God, you are the greatest and God smite my enemies. And God, why have you forsaken me? And Oh God, you are my love. You know, it's just raw, real, beautiful pouring out of your heart. Most of what we see in the old Testament, we see that through all these characters and stories, lots of them have no problem just getting into it and going after it with God just from right where they're at. And I think for us to just remember, none of that scares God, none of that 
causes God to recoil. All he's doing is waiting for us to come to him as we are. And then as we do, he teaches us more and more of how we can connect with him and bring more and more of ourselves to him, more and more of our needs, more and more of the needs of others to him. But, you know, I think we just have to kind of get past sort of little rote, you know, recited little prayers that, that we bring to God. Hey, my name is Dan Kimball, and I am the director of the Regeneration Project, and we have an exciting announcement to make from Western Seminary about a new Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership degree that is going to start in the fall of 2020 that is specifically designed for the Bay Area. Now, for many people in the Bay Area, you are working full-time jobs, you are serving full-time at a church, and the thought of getting a seminary degree is very difficult both with time and finances. So what we have done for this degree is we have actually eliminated some of the normal barriers that it takes to get a theological education. You will receive classes in person uh, in Bible and theology, hermeneutics, the entire Old Testament, the entire New Testament, a year of biblical theology, church history and apologetics. We'll be offering these classes, but the format is going to be a once a month delivery in a class, in a cohort model, with professors that are experts and scholars in their areas. So you'll come only once a month so to eliminate a lot of the commuting will meet from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock once a month all day. You'll then submit papers online uh, for grading and all of that. However, the other great thing that's happening is that it is going to be offered at less than 50% of the normal cost for a master's degree. That is not changing what you're going to be learning. We're also then offering the ministry classes that you will then be able to get and get uh, credits for through serving in your local church. We can explain all of this uh, if you're interested in this go to the website westernseminary.edu slash baycohort or email me dan at westernseminary.edu and we'll get in touch with you and we'll be able to tell you more about this. But in this you'll have, think, I mean, if you think of this, if you're at all interested in seminary education, it's less than half the cost of a normal degree, but you're getting the full degree. You'll have to spend less time away from your family and church, in-person teaching from great scholars, and you'll be doing this in a cohort model, learning with other people. So in that way, if you're at all interested, there's not too many excuses anymore to not take the step and pursue getting a degree. And in the Bay Area, theological training to me is more important than ever. So westernseminary.edu slash Bay Cohort. What do you say, and this probably has to deal with, especially for modern people, the issue with prayer. I mean, there's a lot of different angles to cover, but you, you already hit on it too. It's it's unanswered prayer or just feeling like God isn't there. I mean, modern people, whether we like it or not, whether we are Christian or not, we've been brought up and saturated in an environment that says there is no God, and if he does exist, he's way, 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 way far away, and he's not going to interact you, and he probably doesn't even know who you are. Um, right. Sort of that post-enlightenment, deistic, or atheistic worldview that we've just been brought up in. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a pastor, but I still, re- I mean, I re- I have issues with prayer and unanswered yeah. prayers. And I know the- yeah. I, theologically I have, okay, I have this, this, but on the ground when people are praying for something like you said earlier, something that appears to be good in every possible way, Lord, why wouldn't you not let, why would you not let this family 
conceive, like yeah, right, those types right. of things. How do right. you, because you're a pastor as well, what do you say to those people? Like, how do yeah. you bring comfort, both maybe theologically, but then too, as you know, as a pastor, the theology in the moment isn't necessarily the right thing to, to be <laughs> discussing. Yeah, right. Well, thankfully, I've figured this one out, and I have all the answers on this one. So, you know, we're, you guys are lucky to be good, having this Good, we're going to record yeah. this next two yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah, play it on a really, loop. Yeah, yeah. thankfully, you found the one guy who figured out the mystery of God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is it. There's nothing that we're going to say in this conversation today that can speak to the ache of earnestly and honestly seeking God and not hearing from him. You know, that's what's unique about about prayer is that all, all of the practices that we do around our faith largely are require our initiative, you know, and participation. You think of communion. I, I'm receiving these elements, right? I'm choosing to take the bread and the cup. Baptism, I'm choosing to do this. I'm stepping into this, you know, when we, we, we giving, you know, I'm choosing to release my resources and trust them back to the one who entrusted them to me. But prayer is, it is, it is an, an audacious act of participation. Hmm. It requires, like it requires both parties to be engaged. You know, it's not just me having a, monologue, you know, that the the whole idea is that I'm going to engage with God. And so when I show up and I'm as best I can pouring my heart out to God and I don't hear anything, I don't, I don't know for someone who's honest with their faith, if, if there's much that's hard, more than that, that's harder to, to handle than the seeming silence of God. You know, I think of what John of the cross said, he said that, and this is not a fun one to hear, but John of the cross said that silence is God's first language. Like that's, that's what God is most fluent in is silence. That doesn't feel great mm. when I'm showing up. And what I forget, what I tend to forget in those moments is that I'm even better at silence when it comes to God. Like there are so many things that I don't bring to God in prayer. There's so many moments of gratitude or praise that I withhold for whatever reason. There's so many parts of my life with God that I remain silent on. And yet when God is silent with me, it's like, oh my gosh, what how dare you be silent with me? I expect you to speak. And I think this is just bumping into the great and vast mystery of God that I do not, I do not understand. I, I, you know, I can, we could talk about all the places and spaces in my own personal life where I'm like, God, am I doing something wrong here? Is there like some kind of sin that I'm not aware of that's blocking my connection with you? Why won't you move in this regard? And I think, what I've found and what, it, you know, we talk about, there's a whole chapter in the book about how do you pray when you don't hear anything? Like, how do you pray when you don't hear anything? And I walk through the story of Hannah and her inability to conceive a, a child. And it's a very culturally complex story where her husband had another wife as well. So, you know, things were different back then. And, uh, mm. and this other wife is taunting Hannah is taunting Hannah for not having a kid because she had kids. And it's this really complicated thing. And what you see in the story is Hannah continues to show up and pour her heart out to God. And that his silence is never for the sake of her suffering. It's not like, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to mm -hmm. make you suffer by not giving you what you're asking for. That it's never for the sake of her settling because that's, so that's where I go to. It's like, okay, well, if I don't hear from you, like you've got till three o'clock today, God. And if I don't hear from you, then I'm just going to go do this. And I'm going to set, I'll take care of it myself. That's not the point of God's silence. While we don't have an answer, I can't point to an answer of why God moves sometimes and doesn't other times. I do know that when I've stayed through, like when I've sat and stayed through like Hannah did and kept pouring my heart out to God, even my anguish, my heartache over not hearing from him, 
there's something about his silence that strengthens my faith. It strengthens something in me, a resolve in me to stay with God, even if I don't see or hear him the way I expect to. And so, yeah, I get it from a cynical place. Yeah, that's an easy out. Like, well, where's God? I mean, he didn't do everything you asked him to do. He didn't move when you asked him to move. And yet then, you know, I can miss how often I don't show up for God, how often I don't speak to God. And that part of being in a relationship with this God is that we are, we are wading in the waters of mystery and that I don't always understand. And even there are times when God moves where I do see God move. And I can't explain that either. Hmm. I don't know why God moved at that point or that way that he did beyond even what I prayed for. You know, I think about when we started our church, the way that God answered prayers that we didn't even know that we could pray for. We didn't even know that we were allowed, that we should be praying for those things. And God provided in such a way. And in the same way, I can go, I, I have no idea why God did what he did the way that he did but I'm going to keep on pressing on with God. I'm going to keep on staying. And I don't know, for me, I just feel like there's so much more on the other side, but man, that, that I think what you guys are hitting on is exactly right. I think that silence of God is a place where similar to grief, I think it is a place where people's faith either grows up or blows up, you know, hmm. like it's either going to grow through this to a deeper resolve or it's going to blow up and go, you know what, this is not what I signed up for. And I get it. I mean, I, I've seen it in so many friends' lives. I've faced it myself. I know you guys have as well. And so part of it is just coming to peace with the mystery of God, which is easier said than done. Have you read the uh, book Silence or seen the movie Silence? Yeah, we've talked about, we actually talked about that a lot in the, I saw the movie. I haven't read the book in the, in the uh, writing of this book. I mean, yeah, that's a, powerful work and yeah. i know ever the movie does not nearly do as much justice as the book to the book as the book does oh yeah and i, I i'm still not one of those snobs <laughs> you know you know one of those snobs i'm not that dude who goes oh you saw yeah. the movie well that's yeah, oh, well. okay oh, but oh, you didn't, well. you didn't I mean, read the you didn't yeah. read the book hey man when i saw lord of the rings brought to life i was like yeah bro dude this was better than my imagination when i totally when i was yeah, a kid i, no I did not imagine look like that. this is yeah. way cooler but yeah it's sort of um it's interesting where some people can read that book or watch the movie and go there is no God. And then Easy. some people go, dude, yeah. the Christ who died on that cross, God dying on a cross is the most beautiful thing ever conceived. And I will follow him wherever he may lead. It's really, yeah. it's really a strange thing how that, it how is. that works. It, uh, yep. The, uh, the book of Job is, is similar to this too. When anyone reads yeah. book of Job, if you think you like that book, <laughs> It's like the Sermon on the Mount. People who say, oh, I love the Sermon love on that. the Mount. The really? Teachings All of three Jesus. chapters? The teachings of Jesus <laughs> yeah. are so good in the Sermon. No, no right. one wants to do the Sermon on the Mount. Right, no one exactly. wants to pray yeah, for their right. enemies and never get right. angry. You know, you didn't read it. You didn't like it. Yeah. Um, Job, you know, it's like all these horrible things happen. And he, you know, to the title of your book, he prays through it, complains to God through that in, in a, in a righteous yes. way. He goes through yes. it all. And then in yes. the end, the reward necessarily isn't, oh, you get more kids and your house is back, but no, God himself God right. himself shows up. And yes. the presence is the answer. It is the end goal, is yes. knowing the living God. No, you, you, you hit it on the head. And, you, and I use that story of Job because you're exactly right. If people go, oh, yeah, boy, it's real tough. But look, it's all better in the end. He got more stuff in the end. It's like, really? Have <laughs> yeah, you, so have you anyone had to who's lost through? a child, give me a break. Yeah, let alone all your children. Have you had mm-hmm. to grieve through that? Have you had to walk through public shame and humiliation? Have you had to have your friends literally say, and your wife, your partner say, curse God and die? You know, it's like, and then people think of the, you know, it's a long book mm-hmm. and about 
40 of the chapters are just Job wrestling with God. And I think you just hit it on the head like, but he never let go. He never let go. He never dishonored. He never sinned. Even in his disappointment, his sadness, his anger, he did not sin against God. And I think you're, that ability to hold on, again, I don't know where it comes from, but man, there is so much more on the other side beyond just getting what you wanted or getting what you were asking for. You're holding on to the very presence of God in deeper places maybe than you ever have before. That is the whole heart and the whole hope of this book is to help people experience that. The subtitle of the book, I think, uh, really gets at it. Overcoming, praying through is the title, but overcoming the obstacles that keep us from God. Yeah. And um, I think that's powerful. It's easy to miss just a cool subtitle, mm-hmm. but I think it's mm-hmm. so important because we don't often think of prayer as a means of relationally drawing closer to the God of the universe, the God who loves us. We think of it as a mechanism. So many of us think of it as a mechanism right. to get some stuff yeah. ordered right. in our lives. And God's the one who sort of provides those things. Right. Uh, and we sort of sprinkle in a little gratitude and a little, you know, confession. And yeah, sure, we sure. sort of yeah. think that's prayer. But the whole right. thing for, you know, in this book and, um, and the ideas that you're proposing, it's actually, no, 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 no. Prayer is praying through the silence and the hardship and the grief and all of the obstacles is a means um, to getting to God himself, to drawing closer. Circling back all the way to the beginning about talking Mm -hmm. about our kids and how they pray and this free form sort of they're just brutally honest about where they're at and what they want and what they're happy about and sad about and everything in between. Um, I, I, I can't recommend this book enough for folks who are listening, just not only as an encouragement, but as a tool to clarify and to provoke thought and inspire mm-hmm. us to more rich, robust prayer. Jarrett, as we um, sort of wind down the conversation, maybe talk yeah. to the people who are listening. And we actually, um, a big, a large portion of our audience are um, young people, college students mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, 20-somethings and mm-hmm. um, young marrieds. Uh, who are trying to, they're navigating such volatile times of life. Those are such crazy, like big decisions. Yeah. Uncertain. What is the future? Why am I here? Those types of things. And I think silence is often a theme of their prayer lives. It was for me. It still is in many times, um, but it certainly was in my twenties and early thirties. Talk to those folks specifically um, as a pastor, as someone who loves and serves people uh, with a desire to draw them closer, what would you say to them right now, those who are struggling um, with prayer and uh, working through, praying through all of these things that seem to keep them from God? Yeah. No, I mean, that. thank you. That's a huge honor to be able to do that. I, I, don't, I mean, what I would offer is that, um, you know, everything that you know how to do, I mean, literally— think of everything that you currently know how to do was new to you at some point, mm-hmm. right? Was awkward to you at some point, was unfamiliar to you at some point. Like with the exception of like breathing, crying and pooping, <laughs> like everything else, like you, you had to learn, you had to learn how to crawl. You had to learn how to walk. You had to learn how to talk. You had to learn how to write. You had to learn how to ride a bike, you had to learn how to kiss, albeit awkwardly, you know, you had to learn, like, all, like you had to learn how to drive, like all those things. And, you know, at, at, and it was all part of the process of growing up. And I think, you know, so often when, it, when we hit, especially with God, when we hit a new season that we've never been in before, or we hit a difficult season with God, our first 
compulsion is to throw in the towel. It's just be like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I signed up for up and to the right. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that this was going to be hard or challenging or difficult. Mm. And and we can you know think like I don't know how to do this. And the truth is, almost everything you know how to do, you didn't know how to do at some point. Mm. And so to have the humility to go, I to just be able to say, I want to grow. That's huge. I want to grow in prayer. And I think most people would probably say that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to grow. Yeah, I want to do better at this. Yeah, I want to get. But then to have the willingness, there's a big difference between wanting and willing, you know, mm-hmm. to the willingness to say, so I'm going to show up or I'm going to ask someone or I'm going to find a resource like this or any of the other many amazing books on prayer. I'm going to find a way to help me grow my way through this. And I think that what is, you know, available to you, what's available to me is, is far greater than the pride that I may have about not knowing how to do something or not knowing how to pray through a new season or a difficult season. What God has for me is so much greater connection and presence and peace and power. You know, I, um, I mentioned when my wife's dad died 15 years ago, very suddenly, very unexpectedly. And it just threw me, man. I mean, I was like, I don't, I'm a pastor at the time. And this is, this is another fun little fact. I was writing a book about God at the time. Hmm. And, and, and when Bill died, I was like, I want nothing to do with God. And I was up on stage talking about God, writing a book about God going, yeah, I think I'm out. Like, I think I'm out. And it took me about a year and a half to really be able to come to God with all the fullness of my grief. And it took a spiritual mentor. I'd ask for help. I, I mean, I was already in counseling, so it was like a lot of work, but now I have such a different, um, way of walking through grief. And to that point, just, gosh, I guess when we're recording this, it'd be about six months ago, um, very unexpectedly and tragically, my wife's uh, brother, Andy, died. Mm. And so this is two losses in her family in the last 15 years, both unexpected, both tragic. And I'm not going to lie, it's just thrown our whole family and our life for a loop. It's just such a terrible, terrible loss. And I would give anything in the world. I would, I would... (laughs) you know, give this book back. I would give the arch, I'm anything to have Andy back with us, anything to have her dad bill back with us. But there is a, I was a, I am able, let me put it in the present tense. I am able to walk through this grief differently because I didn't let go through the last season of grief, Hmm. significant grief. I'm able to walk through this now going, I don't know how to do this without God. I don't know how to grieve this loss and pour my heart out and, and hold my wife as she's weeping and the loss and my mother-in-law, she's had to, you know, it's another tragic loss and my sister-in-law and their new son. Like, I don't know how to do this without God. I don't know how to get through this without God. And so I would just say for whatever that obstacle is, whether it's like the stuff we talked about, whether you're new to prayer or whether it's the silence of God, which again is enough to talk about all in and of itself whether it's grief or loss, and it could be as tragic as, you know, the loss of someone you love, or it could be the death of a dream. It could be the, man, I thought I was going to get this job and I didn't, or I loved college and now college is over. And I have this other thing called life that I have to do now. And how do I grieve that? I think to be able to keep holding out and keep holding on to God through that season, to find a way to get support for how you need it. I just think there's so much more on the other side and so much more for when you walk through a similar season again or when you walk with someone who's going through a similar season because you held on to that connection. Like you said, it wasn't an acronym. It wasn't three easy steps. It was intimate, available relationship with God. And there is so – I've just found for me 
that's everything to me. If I, I, it, none of this works, none of this works without that peace and power and presence that is available to me through God. So, you know, I, I would say it is worth pushing through. It is worth holding out. It is worth holding on. It is worth going one more day, one more week with God, um, because you just never know what he has for you in the process and on the other side as well. Wow. Um, that's really powerful, Jarrett. Thank you for sharing um, with such uh, honesty and um, from your own life. I, I, I think that goes uh, so far for, for me and for people, knowing that you're not just writing or speaking about the stuff, you're, you're living this stuff right in the thick of it. And uh, I hope, I hope, I hope so. I mean, yeah. it would be kind of silly if I wrote a book on prayer and this wasn't actually real, but yeah, yeah I need it. I, I'm the first one to raise my hand to say, man, I, I need help and I want to grow and I want more and more of God in my everyday life. Yep. Man, we're, we're cheering you on. We're big fans of the work that you and Jeannie are doing with Soul City. I was just in Chicago uh, oh, yeah. a couple months ago and um, have nice. some friends there who uh, go to Soul City. And, oh, um, fun. Yeah. And so uh, tell people, not just your church, but and not just this book, Praying Through, but you've written other books. Um, where sure. can people go to find uh, not just this book again, but but all your other work and connect with you? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, the JarrettStevens.com. I mean, real original name for my <laughs> site. But um, yeah, Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Stevens with a V. Um, that's the place to get information on our church. You can find out more about Soul City Church here in downtown Chicago. And then also there's other resources. Yeah, I wrote a book on the Bible uh, a couple years ago of kind of having a different framework for how to engage and, and understand the context of the Bible. And then that book on God that I wrote while I, um, my, while I was really angry at God, <laughs> that book is available there too. Um, and so, yeah, you can just go to JarrettStevens.com and there's all the information there um, if anyone wants to connect or, or if they're ever in Chicago. I mean, we would love to, to have them at Soul City Church, man. I love what God's doing in our church and in our city. And so just come in the warm months, which is about three months, <laughs> three months out of the year. But if you can come, yeah, if you can cold. come from, mm -hmm. from, yeah, if you can come from June to September, you're going to have a great time. Yeah, so. that's right. Jared, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate oh, your work. Thank you guys. And uh, thanks for spending some time. Yeah. Thank you guys for making the time. I appreciate all that you guys do and the conversations that you guys are having are incredibly important. So thanks for letting me be a part of it.